Disaster, a podcast about disasters and the music they make us listen to. I'm Peter, and I'm not here with my co-host, Lee. I'm Lee, and I'm not here with my co-host, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> radio boys. Today, we're talking like we're on a 50s radio broadcast. Yay. Broadcast. Well, I'll also say the word broadcast appropriately. Appro- uh. <sighs> I don't have any... Okay. <laughs> I got so excited that I got through the intro. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Good to be with you here, Lee. Not oh, actually, though, because we're at a distance. Gotcha, buddy. We're still distance. <laughs> yeah. We did see each other today yeah. Yeah. for the first time yeah. since March. Yes. For we about did. 10 minutes. Yep. So that was, that cool. was nice. That was very <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. So you're joining us for a Tragedy Tuesday, our mini episodes about disasters that aren't so many. And sometimes when Lee's involved, they're not mini episodes. <laughs> <laughs> And today should be no different. It's a friendly jab. Friendly because <laughs> we they're all they always end up being awesome. You know. Well, I'll take that. Look at I'll it like it. bonus content whenever Lee's around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Before we get into that, if you're new here, welcome. We're happy to have you. If you want to get the full picture, because we do we reference previous episodes sometimes. We you're not gonna miss like inside jokes, but every now and then we'll be like, hey, remember when we talked about the Black yeah. Death, probably? And we'll give like an episode, episode 13, 14. That, that kind of thing. So if you yeah. want to get the whole picture, I recommend you go back to the beginning and listen to every episode. Yeah, you should just do that. Pause now. Yeah. Go do that. When you're done in like a week, start <laughs> the hit hit play again. Hit play on this one and then the five that we've put out yeah. <laughs> in the interim. Exactly. <laughs> and if you like what you hear, the best thing you can do is to tell a friend to listen. And when this comes out, I think there's one week left in our contest draw thing where if you tell somebody publicly about our podcast on social media... Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and you tag us at this disaster pod, then we'll enter you in a draw for a mystery box prize of stuff. And it's it's looking pretty cool. So you're gonna want to get in on it. Got probably some exclusive shirts and some other one-of-a-kind merch. So one more week. Get on that. Because on August uh, at the uh, that closes at the end of August, early September, we're gonna do the draw, and then we'll send you your stuff. So yep. do that. Time is running out. Indeed. The next best thing you can do is to subscribe if you aren't already and leave a rating or review wherever you listen. I think Apple Podcast is still the best place, but wherever you want, you can get everything in one convenient place at www.thisdisasterpod.com. And you can check out our patreon.com slash thisdisasterpod where you get bonus content, micro disasters every two weeks, and then some bigger uh, like bonus episodes every now and then. And you get some behind the scenes and access to our live stream for our major disasters. Lots of cool stuff. So check that out. And I think that's pretty much all I had to say. So I'm going to shut up and let Lee get into it. All right. Lee, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Um, so we uh, recently enjoyed an episode, a video game related episode about Daikatana. Episode 32. Episode 32, our buddy Andy was, um, yep. I don't want to say forced, but uh, <laughs> encouraged to play Daikatana to its completion and he did Andy really wanted to be on the show and he's like just tell me what to do man I'm like okay I'll oh, tell well. you what to do uh, yeah. <laughs> Set and the up. tie in there too was uh, you guys have a YouTube channel called try all and error where you try oh, out you foods that you haven't tried before that's true so so we've kind of roped him in and I think from now on he's going to be try all Andy so he'll be back. try all Andy yeah hopefully more video games because that was a oh, good one I've, I've building a list of stinkers I mean list of video games for him to try <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh funnily enough i'd i would already started working on this particular episode of what legend has it a, a, a video game so bad mm-hmm. so universally reviled that not only was it the linchpin 
that caused Atari Inc.'s ultimate downfall, but that there were so many unsold cartridges of said game that they had to be buried in a landfill, <laughs> perhaps sending them slightly closer to hell where they belong. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I am so excited for this ride. Right. <laughs> the game in question is E.T. the Extraterrestrial. <laughs> and well, let's uh, find out if there's any truth to the legend. Let's dive Okay. In. And I'm going to add it to the list of games that Trial Andy's going to have to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get yourself a, an emulator, a Raspberry Pi, and go mm-hmm. to town on that sucker. <laughs> um, so yeah. So first, a little background on Atari. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1968... Nolan Bushnell and Ted Dabney, two employees of San Francisco-based electronics company Ampex, Mm -hmm. collaborated on the concept of a standalone computer system with a built-in monitor and coin slot. Hmm. This concept was based on a 1962 space combat video game called Space War! (gasps) Space War? It's got an exclamation mark, so I got it. Oh, okay. I I just feel compelled to say it that way. You got to hit it. Well, yeah. No, you got it. So... Their initial creation, a a variation on Space War! (gasps) Every time, I hope. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Was called Computer Space. No exclamation mark. No exclamation mark. Wasted opportunity. (laughs) Yeah. And what a great name, too. Yeah. Computer Space. Computer Space. It's... It's... It's It's like space on your computer. With the computers. Great. Call it that, then. That's what happens when a programmer names the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm on season two of my rewatch of Halt and Catch Fire. Oh, such and a like, good show. That's the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, that's <laughs> when you let the programmer or when you let the hardware people name it, that's what you yeah. get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to bring in, uh, oh, what's his name? Lee Pace. Joe McMillan. Character. Joe. Joe McMillan. Yeah. He'll so set you up with some stuff. Yeah. And then I'll <laughs> betray the shit out of you. Okay. Yeah, he'll. Uh, yeah. <laughs> burn your company down. Oh God. So computer space did poorly. It did it. Okay. Yeah. Didn't do Should great. have used an exclamation mark. Maybe. Give yeah. it a little punch. Mm-hmm. So they followed this up with a variation on a tennis game available for the Magnavox Odyssey. Mm-hmm. That being the very first video game console, home video game console circa 1972. Yeah. Think of that. Okay. 72. 1972. There, Man. A home video game console existed. That's bonkers. That is two years after the Beatles broke up. <laughs> to put that, I mean, that's how I put it in context for myself. Yeah, right. But I mean, there's yeah. a lot of different things you can say about that era. That's but hold three years after the moon landing. Exactly. <laughs> they probably used this exact same software. So yeah, they're they're taking a, a tennis game available for that uh, with the help of young design engineer Al Alcorn. Okay. Great name. The three oh, collaborated on the very seminal arcade game Pong. Pong. Hey, you got it. Did I know that Pong was Atari? I think you did. Maybe I, I did. think you mentioned it in your Daikatana. We talked about it. Yeah, in Daikatana. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. I'm so smart. Oh, I know. I know. I'm constantly uh, <laughs> in awe of that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so at that point, their company was known as CZG. Syzygy. Syzygy. Yeah, Syzygy. Which they yeah, changed okay. to Atari, because there apparently there was another company called Syzygy. What was Syzygy again? What, didn't that come up in the X Files? Oh, maybe. Yeah, it came up in the X Files because there was like that one episode where everybody was going crazy because of like they, some kind of like demonic like demonic possession and like Mulder and Scully almost hooked up or something. You remember that episode? Oh uh, yeah, it sounds. Familiar. Saw when like 
Mulder makes a joke about solving the mystery about the horny beast. <laughs> she keeps talking about the horned beast because it's the like a beast, beast with horns. Right. Anyway, Syzygy is uh, like when you get three celestial bodies that are lined up in a row. Oh, okay. Yeah, three or more. That's a Syzygy. Well. So like in uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, in the opening scene where you got all the planets aligned. Ah. Syzygy. That's a Syzygy. Syzygy. New that's word. That's a fun fact right there. Yeah. Well, it was not meant to be, so they changed it to Atari. Damn it. I guess the Which planets is, didn't align. They <laughs> <laughs> God. I do what I can to make these episodes as short as possible. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's not just me. No, it's not. <laughs> you just did a 10-minute fact check. Son of a bitch. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'll shut my mouth. No, no please contribute. No, I, <laughs> I need help. <laughs> okay. All right, getting back to Pong. Pong. Pong was initially developed for the pinball company Bally. Mm-hmm. When presented to them, Bally had no idea what to do with it. Okay. Undeterred, the Atari boys came up with their own Pong prototypes using a TV set from Walgreens, the game hardware, a coin slot from a laundromat machine, and a milk crate to catch quarters. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. Very Spartan. Just do it. Make yeah. it, make it work. It. Exactly. And they set them up in various bars and whatnot. The reaction was immediate and overwhelmingly positive mm-hmm. average averaging about 400 bucks a week in fact several of the units were malfunctioning due to the coin collector overflowing with quarters <laughs> holy crap yeah <laughs> pay dirt exactly they're on to something yeah. but despite this bally was still not convinced hmm. which is so weird so bushnell basically got them released from their bally contract Yeah, they released Pong on their own and established Atari Inc. as a coin-op design and production company. Must have been like the biggest no-brainer business decision. (laughs) Yeah, Bally's like, I don't know if this uh, this machine that's like breaking down because it's making us too much money is worth investing in. Yeah. Okay. Bye. (laughs) Okay. How do we do it? Our do we need these guys? Yeah. Oh no. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Don't let the door hit you. We're the good lord. Split you. <laughs> Butts. <laughs> Bum jokes. <laughs> okay. So uh, we fast forward to 1976. The 8-bit microprocessor MOS technology 6502 was released. Okay. Catchy name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, don't let the developers name no. the shit. Put a question uh, mark at least. Yeah, 6502? Or an exclamation mark, preferably. Uh, this provided Atari with the CPU capable of meeting the high-performance slash low-cost needs of the console they were attempting to develop at the time. As a result, October 77 saw the release of Atari 2600. Ooh. It was marketed as a video computer system and remains one of the most successful consoles in history. Awesome. I mean, I sure had one. I'll tell you that. You did? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, because I mean, I think we got ours in like 1982. Oh, okay. Yeah. So years later, but it was just the thing. I mean, for, for years, it was the only thing. Shortly thereafter, Atari was bought by Warner Communications for $28 million. It was under Warner's ownership where Atari achieved its greatest success, selling millions of 2600s and at its peak accounting for one third of Warner's income. Atari was, at the time, the fastest growing company in the history of the United States. Okay. Yada, yada, yada. Ups and downs throughout the years. Yeah. Yep. This brings us to 1982. Okay. By, the, by this time, Atari is 
they're still going strong. They can't be beat. They're right. Yeah. More or less the well, only the only pony in the show, you know? Mm-hmm. If yep. that's an expression. I don't think it is, but <laughs> Well, now it is. Yeah. The only pony in the show. Yeah, it's the only uh <laughs> it's the only pumpkin on the shelf. <laughs> That's it. So in 1982, two highly yep. publicized games were released that year. Okay. The first of these was the ported version of the insanely popular arcade hit Pac-Man. Hey. Hey, we all heard of that. Exactly. In case you're not from this planet, Pac-Man was a maze-style game that took the world by storm and first mm-hmm. appeared in 1980. Uh, naturally, there was a lot of excitement for a home version. Mm-hmm. The game was ported to many different systems and computers. The 2600 conversion would turn out to be the most infamous in how disappointing it turned out to be. Really? Yes. How uh, do you screw up Pac-Man? I know. Um, I played well, it on a Commodore 64. Oh, yeah? My babysitter had one. Nice. I've, I was watching a video of all the different, well, not all the different, but many mm-hmm. of the different ports because there's yeah. there are so many. Yeah. Uh, the, I think I remember the Commodore 64 one looking pretty close to the arcade version. Yeah. But you know, what do you know when you're a kid? I mean, what do you, you know, care? Yeah, I don't know. I had, the, a game. I had the Atari one and I loved it. Okay. Yeah. Played yeah, yeah. the crap out of it. But, uh, yeah. the version was widely criticized for its inaccurate portrayal of the arcade version and for its peculiar design choices, most notably a flickering effect on the ghosts. Okay. But still... As we just said, it was a version of Pac-Man yeah. uh, that a person could play at home on their Atari. Yeah. So it ended up being their the best-selling game of all time for Atari. Well, there you go. There yeah. you go. Moving. <laughs> Criticize it all you want. <laughs> yeah, it still sold approximately 7 million units. Jeez. But uh, Atari had uh, in a bit of hubris. It anticipated even higher numbers. Okay. Uh, on top of that, these sales numbers don't account for how many returns there ended up being, which there ended, were apparently quite a few. Hmm. So you add the returns to the unsold cartridges, and that sees Atari sitting on an excess of 5 million extra Pac-Man games. Oh, my. Okay. That's a lot <laughs> of Pac-Man games. That's a lot of stock. Yeah. Uh, so this brings us to Atari's other huge 1982 boner okay it's the reason we're here all right it is of course et oh man <laughs> and he's playing et he he's doesn't know it yet it. but he's playing <laughs> et <laughs> yeah buckle up so as all of our listeners who are roughly 40 years old remember mm-hmm. et was a huge hit in 1982 yep. the, i'm talking about the movie now of course scared the shit out of me oh yeah I don't know if we talked about, I can't remember. We did an episode called We Are Alone with Nuclear Norm, episode oh, yeah, 17, sure. Sure. where we talk about our place in the universe and if we are any extraterrestrials. Yeah. And I think we talked about E.T., the movie. I'm sure it came up. And I don't know, man. Like, as a kid, I had a full-on, like, phobia, maybe, of aliens. The idea okay. of aliens scared the ever-loving shit out of me. <laughs> like, paralyzed, cold sweat fear. Terror friendly ones that healed your cuts and Th- those opening scenes where like uh, the kids running around and he's like rolling the tennis ball into the garage and it rolls back out. Yeah, yeah. nope, nope. <laughs> Going to bed. Et screams and runs away and stuff. Yeah. It's like no, 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 no. How old nope. were you? Like six? I don't know. Just some around there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The idea of aliens still kind of creeps me out, but now I'm more focused on the fact that we're probably alone and we'll never know. <laughs> Spoiler for episode 17. We're effectively alone, even though. Yeah. 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 I agree. I'll go along with that. Anyway, E.T. comes um, out. 
E.T. comes out. I mean, I, I was about six. Yeah, I was five or six when I saw it. Okay. Uh, I went straight to the theater right after my T-ball game. Oh, nice. <laughs> so wholesome. Exactly. And, you know, G- cried bitter tears when it seemed as though E.T. had died and jumped for joy when it turned out he was very much alive. You know, I just realized that I never finished watching E.T. I don't think I've ever seen it. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen the whole thing. Oh, you literally left the room. when. You- <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not joking. I stopped it and never resumed it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because when I was making these notes, I was like, there's a good chance Peter's never seen this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was almost right. Well, well when, when your boy's old enough, show it to him. He'll love it. Yeah, I think I will. And that'll be like a new experience for me too. Exactly. You can both we'll watch it together. Watch it for the first time. And then he'll pee his pants and run away. Exactly. <laughs> the cycle continues. Well, spoiler, he doesn't die. Oh. Because that would be cruel. Well, yeah, it's a spoiler. I don't think movie. it would be as big of a hit as it was. If the freaking alien died. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yes. A magical movie experience. I look forward to it. On account of him not dying. <laughs> so it seemed like a no-brainer that a video game of said movie would be terrific. Easily. Easily. Atari and its parent company, Warner Brothers, certainly seem to think so, as evidenced mm-hmm. by their spending somewhere between 20 and 25 million to acquire the exclusive worldwide rights to market any and all coin operated and console games based on the movie. Wow. It's a lot of quiche. Okay. Yeah. It's not $20 million for this one game that we're talking about. Oh, it's no. Yeah, any, right. any ET games. Okay. Okay. Any okay, okay. And Pressure's all. off a little bit. But. <laughs> not much because it was the only game. Um, oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> uh, despite the manufacturing of an ET based game being a foregone conclusion from word go, like they were going to do it. Uh, yep. Warner Brothers CEO Steve Ross still asked Atari CEO Ray Kassar what he thought about making a game by, based on the movie, to which Kassar respond, responded that he thought it was a dumb idea. That's what you want to hear. Yeah. A lot of confidence right out the gate. Exactly. So a deadline for the Christmas shopping season was put into place, leaving just mm-hmm. six months to have the game on shelves in time for the holidays. Oh, so this essentially canceled plans for any coin operator version of the game to exist as there simply wasn't enough time for development. Mm-hmm. So at the end of July, Howard Scott Warshaw was called in as developer of the game with Steven Spielberg asking for him personally. What does Spielberg know about games? Well, I'll tell you. Okay. Warshaw's resume at the time boasted two games of note, those being Yar's Revenge Mm-hmm. Uh, which was a very well-received game for the 2600. And okay. I can attest to that. It was awesome then. And I think it's mm-hmm. still awesome now. Like it was awesome then just because it was fun. Right. And you could just tell, well, I could tell in my six-year-old brain that it was mm-hmm. kind of a cut above a lot of the other games. And yeah. now looking at it through 43-year-old eyes, like, damn, mm-hmm. like the graphics are really cool. The fast paced it's simple yeah. but it's kind of like it's genius okay so a great game and then the other game of note that he had done was for raiders of the lost ark oh, okay yeah another spielberg movie so yeah yeah right okay so explain why spielberg was connection there aware of him and this game deserves its own special mention for sure it's possibly the first example of a console based RPG puzzle game. Okay. And I have vivid memories of pulling my eight-year-old hair out, trying <laughs> to figure out what to do yeah. in this totally abstract, <laughs> no easy answers game. 
And that's a time in games where like you didn't have little like checkpoints telling you where to go next. No, you didn't have a journal that's like go to whatever. Exactly. There weren't tutorials like, oh, press this button to do this. And yeah, God, it was weird. Who am I? Where am I? How did I get here? (laughs) What is this? What do you want me to do with it? And where does it go? Uh, in the end, I appealed to my next door neighbor's older brother yep. who actually had a magazine that contained a walkthrough of the game. <laughs> nice. Whereupon I was granted a place in the audience of one <laughs> to sit and watch him solve the game, constantly saying to myself, oh, I never would have figured that out. <laughs> so I didn't feel bad about it at all. Maybe if we want to like, if Andy wants to get back at me for all the stuff I'm going to make him do... <laughs> Maybe you got to play Raiders. Not Raiders. It would be Mist. I think oh, Mist okay. was my Raiders of the Lost Ark. Did you ever try Mist? No. Gary loves it. Okay. My 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 wife Gary. She's also she's sometimes guest on the podcast. She's a gamer. She's a gamer. Like she's great at those kinds of like puzzle games, and she's obviously great at Mist. My experience with Mist was like loading it up, <laughs> walking around a bunch, like flipping levers, nothing happens, yeah, and being like. Oh, I'm never going to figure this out. And then just <laughs> yeah. quitting. Yeah, that's the moments when I'm hopelessly stuck on a game and inevitably mm-hmm. go to a YouTube or whatever looking for a walkthrough yeah. and you see it's usually one of two things. One where it's like smack yourself. Oh, I'm an idiot. It was yeah. right there in front of me the whole time. Or yeah. what you were just saying like, oh, I never would have in a million no. years thought to do that. So exactly. I don't feel one bit bad about uh, checking yeah. out the walkthrough. I've done that with Mist, and I realized that if I did took that approach to the whole game, I would I might as well just watch a video of someone else playing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, there's like at no point in the videos that I watched about Mist did I understand how they got to the solution. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> just like, and this of course indicates that you have to flip this switch. I'm like, which part indicates what? Yeah. And what switch? I don't see a switch. <laughs> any sense. So Warshaw's proven himself to be a bit of an adept with this development stuff. He knows this. Mm-hmm. He knows his stuff. He thinks outside the box, clearly. Yep. In July, he's given a deadline of September 1st to finish the game, which translated to roughly five weeks. In July, you said? Or, or somewhere around there. Yeah, he got a he got a September deadline in the summer. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good. Now, despite Yar's Revenge taking seven months to develop and Raiders taking sixth, he saw this time frame as a challenge and accepted setting up shop at home, basically working on the game 24-7. Okay. So possibly expanding on the approach he'd taken to Raiders of the Lost Ark, Warshaw saw this as an opportunity to develop an innovative game for the 2600. Okay. Spielberg, on the other hand, envisioned something more along the lines of Pac-Man, possibly with E.T. gobbling up Reese's Pieces. Oh, well, it was a tie-in. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, know, I know of that scene. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He likes that. Didn't see it, because no. I... Didn't seem I had run away at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Hiding under the covers. Mm-hmm. Uh, undeterred, Warshaw continued with his original vision, which was to have E.T. try and locate pieces of his makeshift phone to contact his spaceship and return to his home world or get picked up. Okay. Based on the popularity of the film, as well as the overall popularity of video games themselves in 1982, mm-hmm. uh, Atari figured they had this one in the bag. Mm-hmm. What could possibly go wrong? Exactly. So much so that they decided to skip the audience testing phase altogether. Ooh, don't do that. Yeah, no. it's fine. It's fine. Oh, you know, uh, bit of a time crunch, so screw it. But then how will you know if people are going to like it? 
Well, they're gonna because it's a video <laughs> game. Okay. And it's available. Okay. And it's ET. <laughs> People like that. Ipso facto. Okay. In hindsight, there might have been more of that hubris at play due to the fact the the Pac-Man port, despite being a critical failure, was a huge yep. commercial success. Right. So that was probably not helping. Right. But people knew Pac-Man from the arcade. Yeah, exactly. They already knew that it was a good game. Okay. That is a good point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Someone should have told them that. <laughs> people know this game. While E.T. did sell well initially, but 1.5 mm-hmm. million units, mm-hmm. its popularity would not last. Mm-mm. Once the initial buzz had died down and people started actually playing the game, mm-hmm. it was determined to be monotonous, confusing, time-consuming, and ultimately unrewarding. Those are not things you want to hear said about your game. No, those are not good adjectives. <laughs> now, I personally played the living crap out of this game. Really? And not unlike Raiders of the Lost Ark, it confused the hell out of me. Okay. Until probably someone's older, smarter sibling showed me how to do it. But, you know, again, I keep mentioning this, but being that I was eight years old at the time, I just kind of accepted all video games at face value, which is just right. kind of what kids do. Like, sure. I don't ever recall thinking there was something wrong with it or okay. any games for that matter. Because right. um, there's no basis for comparison yeah. other than do actual arcade games, in which case I thought all Atari games were inferior. Right. Because, yeah, they just couldn't measure up. That's a good point. Like, as a kid, didn't really matter what I was playing. It's just that I was playing a video game. Exactly. Like, the novelty alone is is half of what keeps you in your seat. The comparison was playing a video game as compared to not playing a video game. <laughs> and I knew that not playing a video game sucked. Exactly. So every video game was amazing. So you play video games. But, yeah, it, it does feature a very ponderous and probably annoying play style. Okay. Where um, the biggest gripe everyone had, and it, it was very annoying, is that it, the game featured these pits okay. that you had to fall into to sort of retrieve what was there. Okay. And it's just basically these holes in the screen. Yeah. Where if you touch any part of these pits, you fall down and then you have to okay. levitate your way out. Yeah. And once you're getting out, if you don't get all the way out, you fall back down. And it's so. <laughs> precise and oh my god finicky that people think oh fell down again ah fell down again okay i'm gonna throw this game uh, into the (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um and a lot like raiders of the lost ark it was very abstract and confusing Mm -hmm. and i think warshaw he was just trying to put a lot into it and just sort of counting on the player to you know do the work and sort of yeah right get inside his head basically yeah Mm-hmm. So it was very confusing, but I don't know. On the other hand, the sound and the graphics are both pretty great. Like E.T. looks like this little cute little guy. Like it looks like E.T. Yeah. Oh, okay. The sound effects are cool. The, the layout is really cool. Like, mm-hmm. like I said, I liked it very much. I would hardly call it the worst game ever. Like far right. from its yeah. reputation sort of is bigger than the game itself. Okay. That's my take. Fair enough. Ultimately, of the 4 million cartridges pr- produced, mm-hmm. the tally on the unsold or returned games was somewhere in the neighborhood of 3.5 million. They made four? Yeah. And 3.5 million were returned or not sold? Exactly. Uh, that's a lot of cartridges. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, well, it's just one of many reasons why Atari reported a $536 million loss in 1983. Oh my, really? <laughs> yeah. Half a billion dollar loss. Uh, yeah, not good. I mean, it's one of a few reasons. Sure, but that that's a big loss. I'm not an investor. I'm not a money guy. <laughs> right. But that seems like a lot of money. It's a lot of money, especially mm-hmm. back then. Hmm. That ultimately led to the company being divided and sold in 1984. Yeah. It's been called Atari's biggest mistake, the largest financial failure in the industry, and has been cited as a major factor that precipitated the so-called video game crash of 1983, which was a large-scale recession in the video game industry that occurred between 83 and 85, mainly Hmm. in the United States. Interesting. I didn't know about that. Yeah, and that ended when Nintendo came along. Oh. Blew everyone's minds with Mario and the gang. Yeah. Yeah, so you had this little void of a few years where it was like video games, nope. Really? And video games, well, more console, I guess. I mean, computer yeah. games are certainly on the rise by then. Right, yeah, yeah. Big Everyone time. went back to D&D. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of the most interesting byproducts of the whole E.T. debacle was the claim that in the process of sort of mothballing their inventory, Atari buried all the unsold E.T. cartridges in a New Mexico landfill site. Okay. (laughs) I mean, yeah, what else are you going to do with it? Yeah, exactly. Just put it under the ground. Uh So the event showed up as a local news story when it was to have taken place. Uh, However, there was immediate doubt as as to its veracity, and it quickly became an urban legend. Mm -hmm. In 2013, film director Zach Penn was given six months of access to the proposed landfill site by Alamogordo City Commission. Okay. The plan being to film the proceedings for a documentary, which, by the way, was produced by Ottawa-based Fuel Industries. Oh, who that's cool. I'm sure you've heard of those guys. I don't think they're around anymore, but... Uh, Go Ottawa. That rings a bell, I think. Yeah, just like local yeah. producers of content. And, yeah. Yeah. And sorry, he got... He got permission from the city to dig around in the landfill? Yeah, exactly. I imagine that that meeting was just like a shrug from whoever's in charge. <laughs> it was like, we're making a movie. It's called Atari Game Over, and we want to dig in your landfill to look for these games. And it was sort of like, well, it uh, shines a light on our city. So yeah, have at it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Shines a light on your city's garbage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So in April that year, an excavation was held with game designer Howard Scott Warshaw and Ready Player One author Ernest Klein among the attendees. Mm-hmm. And as it turned out, only about 700,000 games featuring many different titles, not just E.T., were buried there, of which mm. after hours and hours of digging around, approximately 1,200 were unearthed. Okay. Yeah. So you, you can watch that on uh, YouTube. It's a pretty interesting little documentary. What was it called? Atari Game Over. Sweet. That'll be in the show notes too. Yeah, there you go. So it's yeah. it it you know shows the excavation in detail and then it sort of flips back to the history of Atari and they interview people I've mentioned in the show and more yeah, and yeah it's it's cool that's cool of his legacy Howard Scott Warshaw had the following to say it was the fastest game ever done it was a million seller and of the thousands of 2600 games how many others are still a topic Another thing I like to think about is having done E.T. consistently rated among the worst games of all time Mm -hmm. and Yar's Revenge consistently rated (laughs) one of the 
best. Mm. I figure I have the unique distinction of the greatest range of any game designer in history. John Romero's like, hold my beer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I got this, bud. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's the story of uh, the so-called worst game in history, which I, as I said, do not agree with whatsoever. Right. I think people who make that claim, probably most of them probably haven't even played the game. Yeah, and I bet that's tied to the fact that's the last game Atari puts out before sinking, or like one of the last. You one of the yeah, it wasn't even the last. actually the last one they put out was Gremlins, another oh wow okay. tie-in. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe stop making tie ins. Maybe stop that. But no, like the point is that it probably gets like lumped in in conversations about Atari going under. Mm-hmm. So that's why it ends up getting called the worst exactly. game of all well, time. Well, it must be the if worst. It, like there's way worse. Yeah. If, if it was still like if Atari had continued and been the modern Nintendo, then maybe ET would be a classic. Yeah. Maybe a quirky classic game. It's all context. Anything. But for better or for worse, that is the story of the worst game in history. Wow. Quote unquote. And, uh, the events surrounding it certainly were a disaster. <laughs> I look forward to hearing Andy's experience with that. <laughs> <laughs> when he plays it. Maybe it'll be some Patreon bonus content. We'll get him to play it and then give us the breakdown. <laughs> uh, oh, I can't wait. <laughs> oh, it'd be even better if I could get him to like, li- not live stream it, but like film himself playing it. I want to see um, the frustration. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm oh, all man. for this experiment. That's a disaster. Yeah. That, uh, wow. Okay, so, and that actually ties in nicely with our Daikatana episode. Episode 32. And there's many more we can uh, we can cover, I'm sure. Oh, we're, we've opened the gates on video games now, <laughs> so there's started. a lot of video game disasters. <laughs> oh, yeah. So about music? Well, I kept it pretty simple. I just thought of what I would have been listening to at the time when I was mm-hmm. playing these games. And, uh, you know, I instantly think of what is still my very, very favorite album all-time favorite album to this day, uh, Tears mm-hmm. for Fears, Songs from the Big Chair. Hmm. And uh, just to, you know, every song on there is great, but yeah. rather than mention one of the hits, I'll say The Working Hour uh, mm. as the one to check out. It is deep just cut? A bit of a deep cut. It's actually the second song on the album, but... Um, yeah, okay. It's I just... Un- I think I just demonstrated my oh well you know tears for fears. It wasn't on the radio, that's for sure. You know, it's not. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's oh, it's so good. Don't awesome. get me started. Yeah, check it out. Sweet. Okay, and it's links to link to that is in the show notes too. Boom. So thanks, Lee, for that oh, tragedy Tuesday. You. Yeah, and that one that one actually wasn't an hour long. So <laughs> just shy. I am bad. Yeah. If you liked what you heard, the best thing you can do to help us out, if you'd like to help us out, is to tell a friend to listen and. I got nothing clever to say. Tell a friend to listen and uh, push them down into a pit. Yeah. (laughs) And when they crawl back out, just push them down a few more times just to really drive the message home. (laughs) I don't see why that would work, but. Yeah, either way, tell a friend to listen however you choose to do it. <laughs> yeah. The next best thing you can do is to leave a rating or review wherever you listen and subscribe. That would be fantastic. If you want to keep up with us on social media at this disaster pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, don't forget the contest that closes in about a week on August thirty first. If you get in there. tweet about us publicly and you tag us, then we'll we'll enter you into a draw for some for some merch, mystery box content that we'll we'll send your way through the mail, the physical mail. Mm. physical content through the physical mail if you want to check everything out in one place on our website www.thisdisasterpod.com or our patreon.com slash thisdisasterpod where there's bonus content micro disasters every two weeks and other 
stuff like access to our live streams when we do major disasters and maybe at some point soon a bonus episode with trial andy playing et <laughs> yeah <wait>. so <laughs> check 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 that out yeah uh, and i think that's pretty much all we had to say so i don't have anything to add Lee, you got anything to add? i've said enough today well thanks and we'll see you in our next major disaster bye, bye.